is War Council. Uh, my name is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. I'm Phil Cormel with Brushwork Minis. And War Council is a hobby-centered podcast for miniature enthusiasts. Uh, this is going to be episode 22, where we talk with Mindworm Games about their new upcoming release, Exile. Uh, so this is more of an interview episode. Traditionally, we talk about the miniature hobby and painting and sculpting and kit bashing, whatever we're in the mood for that week. Um, and in the new year, we've been trying to get more and more guest speakers onto the show. Um, so um, Mindworm Games is a small, independently operated uh, miniature casting studio. Um, I don't actually know where they're based. I feel like they're based out southwest somewhere. Um, but Benson, uh, who's the owner of the company, has just been a real nice guy. He's got a real cool game coming up called Exiles, which is kind mm-hmm. of a Wild West skirmish game with some RPG elements. Uh, we're excited to talk to him about that tonight. I'm also excited to talk about Philip tonight, yeah. uh, because uh, now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking Archaon's done. That's not what's so no. exciting. Uh, <laughs> Almost. So, so why, don't you share, why don't you share your news with the world tonight? Well, um, so as of tomorrow, I will be leaving my full-time job and attempting a round two of... Uh, basically full-time commission work painting. So, so this is kind of a, a bit of a return to form, because when you first mm-hmm. came to Raleigh, you didn't have a job. Uh, right. You came over here, I gave you some work, and then you did what most people do, which is you look for steady work. Yeah. Uh, and you found steady work with a company, uh, well, a couple companies for a while. Uh, and then you just decided that it's not, pushing pencils is not for you, apparently. Yeah, I was bouncing around a bit, did a little serving, and went to office supplies selling, and yeah, it's just... It was not for me. What was the um, what was the straw that kind of broke the camel's back, or was it just more like I don't even know? Well, it was. I had a feeling when I first started that it wasn't going to be a good fit, and then I kind of transferred from a sales position more into like an account management. Sure. And then after that, kind of got taken care of. It went back to sales, and I realized, yeah, this definitely isn't for me. So, so you had a steady day job. It just wasn't fulfilling you artistically, I guess. Maybe or just just sales isn't for you. In general, I mean, artistically, no. I've always wanted to do commission stuff more regularly, uh, but full-time option for that is just very difficult to come by. Um, so I wasn't able to pursue that, and just sales again, yeah, it's just not not for me. So I haven't had a traditional job. I was thinking about this the other day since November of 2014, so it's been like a year and a half, and now I even wonder if I went back to a normal job. How that would even work? Like, <laughs> I haven't had a boss in a while, yes. so I'm not. For it's like sure. being in prison for like your whole life yeah. and coming out. How do you yeah, <laughs> just yeah. the society? <laughs> get busy, busy living or get busy dying. Yeah, <laughs> um, I am encouraged by the fact that we talked to more and more miniature uh, artists, like um, mm-hmm. Big Season Pistols last week, and uh, uh, just you know a bunch of artists. And I see that they they make the transition into full time studio work, and it works out for them. Yeah. Um, that's a bit of a leap, and um, I know that the studio can support one full-term artist. We've talked about that a little bit. Um, I've got an influx of work now. We've had lots of new clients, so thank you to all of our clients yeah. in 2016 so far that have made this possible. Um, our studio did really well last year. We've continued to grow the last couple of years, and right now there's there's more projects than one person can handle, so we're going to... We're going to dovetail it into two. Not dovetail. Dovetail is like when you're going down. <laughs> uh, we're going <laughs> to amp it up into two two artists and see how we do. So if you've got a new project coming up, now is the perfect time to get on board because we've got two fully-fledged artists ready to kick out your projects. Um, we also want to talk a little bit about Death Ray Designs tonight, which is the new name for Brush for Hire. Mm-hmm. Um, they are um, Austin Thompson, the uh, owner of Brush for Hire, is a longtime friend of the studio's. And um, he got into, um, what do they call it, laser cutting. Yeah. Laser cut terrain a few years ago. Uh, and uh, we almost saw him at Atomic Empire this weekend, but we <laughs> just missed him. 
Uh, apparently, yeah. we got there ten minutes after he left, so we kind of we kind of you know, passed like ships. Um, yeah. But uh, he does have a brand new Kickstarter up right now. We are going to provide a link in the show notes. Uh, it's for Death Ray Designs, and um, they provide just a bunch of different stuff. Just I see, I saw two kind of specific or two types of terrain that they were doing. Yeah. At least for this Kickstarter, so sure. one seems to be more like these like hexagon and ramps and stuff. Yeah. A lot of stuff that I see kind of like kind of industrial. Yeah. Yeah. Which are super cool um, in design and everything. The other one seemed more. I'm not really sure. I guess it was more. It's kind of infinity-ish, yeah. but it. Um, I think those hard lines are easier for the laser cutters to do. Yeah, they're easier for the CAD designers to design. Um, so it kind of makes more sense. And I think Austin, I want to say, has an engineering background. Maybe he's um, mentioned. So I thought it was more like computer, computer maybe engineering. Maybe but that's it. He, his goal was modular design. I think so. The ability to like reconstruct the terrain yeah. to make it fit a certain game. Maybe I'm not sure. But one of the things I like about that kind of terrain is you yeah. do gain. Uh, suitable like most of the time when you war game they'll build people will build terrain that's aesthetically pleasing but not necessarily useful like you can't mm-hmm. climb up on it there's not enough stable platforms for people to walk around yeah. so you end up sort of putting your models near the terrain and saying it's on top it, when they do i will say with this sort of design it's very usable like you can yeah. get your figures up there they can create large flat platforms um, and in theory, it clicks together very easily. Yeah, there's no cleaning involved, no, no cutting of sprues, no cleaning of mold lines. It just snaps together. Um, or don't even snap it together, just put it together. And um, you can always glue it and base it if you're interested. Um, I think they're great. And if people are interested in having them painted, that is a service we can provide. We definitely will, will be willing to paint them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have a terrain page um, in the works, but in the meantime, just email us for a quote. Uh, their uh, goal is twenty grand. they are a little over ten, and they got eighteen days to go, as of this recording. Um, so uh, you've still got a little over two weeks to buy their product, uh, and probably by the time this goes up on iTunes, you'll have right at two weeks. So check them out on Kickstarter. We'll look for Death Ray Designs. Uh, great modular terrain, nice and cheap for you for all you thrift spenders out there. And, it is uh, very affordable, yeah. yeah for sure. Especially compared to... When you, when you think about your time factor, I, I really mm-hmm. like it. Because it's like, do you want to spend time cutting plastic card, cutting cardboard? Making it yourself. Yeah, exactly. And the amount yeah. of material you have to buy just yeah. to really do it's it. It's a lot of work. It's almost worth it. I think that these guys fill a niche that is needed in the community. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm surprised bigger companies like Privateer Press and GW haven't gotten on the bandwagon yet and done this. Uh, we see some companies like Guild Force 9 do it in terms of tokens but we don't see a lot of people do it in terms of like um terrain and stuff mm-hmm. um all right well before we move on to on the painting desk i want to briefly touch on um death watch overkill just got released uh, or it's about to get released rather this saturday yep. so this is uh, one of the newer games for uh, games workshop this is a bit of a return to film form for them because mm-hmm. um uh, partially it, it kind of reminds us of space hulk and those kind of games that came out uh, it's it's basically uh, Gene Steeler Cult, which has been in the rumors for a while, versus Death Watch. And Death Watch is a very specialist legion of space marines that are all drawn from different chapters. So they kind of all uh, paint their armor black and, and silver, but they all keep some tokens of their yeah, former chapter. accent, the color yeah. of their chapter. So Space Wolves will have you know, frost blades and mm-hmm. you know, uh, salamanders will have flamers and, and whatever. Yeah. Very cool looking army. I've been pushing yeah. for one of these for a while. Um, and I'm hoping that someone will now finally jump jump the, the, the shark and, like, go ahead and get one of these on the table mm-hmm. and, like, ask us to do it preferably. What would be cool to see, like, something I've always... I love all the different chapters. So yeah. being able to, like, incorporate them all under a certain theme, sure. Death Watch is a perfect 
in that case. Yeah, and for a studio for a studio project for me it's perfect because we have bits from dozens of different projects mm-hmm. laying around here. <laughs> like we have some white scars bits, we have salamander bits, we have all sorts of different stuff around here. So we could easily manufacture the chapter by only buying a minimal product, really. Yeah. Um, so I would love to do it. I think it'd be fun. It's a simple color scheme. It's got some room for diversity. Um, so if you're out there and you are that person, email me at info at whitemetalgames.com and we will set you up a quote for your dream Deathwatch army. <laughs> or uh, if you're a Gene Stiller cult army, I'm also gonna. I'm, I'm thinking about doing a special for that that we're going to talk about later in the show. Uh, but before uh, we get to that, I want to talk about, do you think, Philip, uh, with the release of Death Watch Overkill, let me set this up a little bit. So Horus Heresy came out, 30K, people were super excited about, 30K mainstream. Mm-hmm. Came out, big, big successful sell. Yeah. Uh, we, we bought a set for the studio, painted it up, Sons of Horus, very popular color scheme. Still it sets on our shelf, we can't sell it. We've marked down the price, we've done everything in our power to move it, we just haven't been able to move it. And I'm not willing to mark it down much lower because... You know, there's there's yeah. there's reasonable, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. like we're not we're not we're, we're not poor. I mean, we need <laughs> to make money. Try this so, not, right. not, yeah. so um, and that is up on eBay. Um, however, uh, my question is with Horus Heresy coming out, and no one commissioning armies or models for that. Is this going to be another uh, another sort of uh, flash in the pan? Is this going to come yeah. out? People are going to buy one set for their collection and then just let it sit there and gather dust. That's unfortunately, with a game like this, I kind of feel like that's going to happen. Yeah. I think people are going to maybe build like the Space Marine portion of it. I think a few people are going to build the Gene Stiller Colts. I think yeah. people like me that are truest that I've always wanted to do that will finally have an opportunity. True. And people will be buying the sets up and they'll do the trade thing where you give me your Gene Stillers, I give you my Death Watch. Right. Um, but are we going to? I don't think we're going to see a mass influx of projects only because of Horus Heresy. I thought that was going to be a shoe in. Yeah, I mean that had a whole set of rules too behind it, and yeah. I don't even know how they're going to incorporate Death Watch in terms of rules. So, so I hope I'm wrong, but yeah. I, I get the inc- I get the impression this is going to be more like you know these standalone games are not going to be a channel into the main game the mm-hmm. way we hoped they would is my fear, but well not my fear, just I'm scared of it, but I, I just think that's the reality, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, well we're going to take a brief break, and we're going to jump back right in with on the painting desk, and we'll be right back after this. Let's be honest, you'd rather be playing than painting. Let White Metal Games take the hassle out of painting and assembling your miniatures. We have a team of dedicated professionals who will make sure your miniatures stand out on the tabletop. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com. White Metal Games. Put your minis where your mouth is. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump in on the painting desk, and this is, uh, the you know, I've been saying this for like the last ten episodes, people know what the fuck this is now. Mm-hmm. I don't have to keep saying it. It's called <laughs> on the fucking painting desk. It's about what's on our fucking painting desk. <laughs> so, I, I don't think the name could be any more clear. Uh, what's on my painting desk? Alright, so I finished up this gold level RPG for one of our clients. Uh, that was done and exhausting. Um, I re- realized in retrospect that painting up... I like different levels of painting, but gold is such an intense level. It requires so much concentration that it's kind of mentally taxing. Yeah. Um, I, as it should be, people pay you a lot for it, so, or us a lot for it, so I want to give them a good product. But I find that concentrating and specifically staring at those tiny details is really tiring. Like, I get wiped mm-hmm. out. Um, following that up, I've got some Electrum level characters on my desk, all RPG characters, two are uh, 3D printed miniatures. One of the clients gave us a reference. He referred uh, one of his friends to us. Some more Kingdom Death are across my desk. I've got some Privateer Press, some Crick's Bane Riders. Um, 
plus a uh, Iron Warriors heavy Typhon siege tank going to France of all places. This guy, this was kind of a weird client. He um, he messaged me on Facebook. I, I every time I paint something up. He didn't message me on Facebook. He messaged me on eBay. Anytime we paint something up, one of our approaches to, to product is that we put it, I take it and I put it up on, on eBay as a sample. So I put this up on eBay as a sample, and the guy uh, messaged me, and he was like, you know, so we started talking about the model, and he has a Chaos Army, and so he wanted a Chaos Iron Warrior style tank. And I was like, yeah, absolutely, that's right up our alley. And he's like, well, it's coming to France. We did all this, by the way, on Google Translate. Like, uh, corresponding with a car right. Google Translate is kind of hard. Yeah. Because um, the, the language doesn't quite come through right, but mm-hmm. it's, it's enough that we can kind of make it work. Anyway, so he was like, won't there be, um, uh, what do you call it, um, tariffs when it comes to the country? I'm like, absolutely, of course there'll be tariffs. Mm-hmm. So you might want to try a closer studio. You're right next to Poland. France is right next to Poland. I'm like, you yeah. have Den, you have Awakened, they're right there. You know, let me know if you need anything. Uh, and then he kept like he kept emailing me, kept emailing me, and I, I thought like this guy is never going to buy. This is crazy. Like the guy is in France, like he's not going to do this. But um, he basically um, talked me down in price a little bit, and I liked the idea of doing a chaos style Typhon. So I was like, all right, so I'll do it. So it's kind of a break even project, but it's a cool conversion. I'm, I'm having some fun with it, and I know on his end he's going to actually be paying the worst for it, which is why he negotiated so low. Mm-hmm. But it's a cool model. I like the Typhon. Um, uh, and then cool. still working on the Mad Max armies. Um, they're coming together good. They're, they're, <sighs> so at this point, I am literally two months into building vehicles. I've been building vehicles since early January. I'm so exhausted. Yeah. I am so... I have built nine buggies, uh, 12 bikes, six battle wagons, uh, at least six trucks. I'm so tired. <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh, don't get me wrong I like building models but every one of these models is different and it's going to be really cool but man is it tiring yeah um, I did just start the painting on the first Mad Max army so that's coming along have something to show on that soon um, so yeah we got a lot on our painting desk before I go through the rest of what's on my desk what's on your desk right now well same old same old I'm finishing up Archaon um, he's... and you are I will say I saw him this week you are finishing him up he's looking yeah. good yeah. So Gorgoth or whatever the hell the main guy's name is, the big dragon. He's you think of an ogre. And the reason I know that is because I just consigned some ogres. So his name is not Gorgoth. It's, uh, uh, Gorgoth is an ogre. It's like oh, Gorgoth, Gorgoth is the dragon. dragon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, so he's, yeah, the mount, he's pretty much done. Okay. Uh, I used a um, semi-gloss on him. I'm going to have to, like, tone it down because that's too shiny. It looks stupid right now. So. Sure. Um, but uh, oh, did you use that satin varnish that I told you about? No, no, I bought this separate. It's from um, I think it's Master Models semi gloss. Okay. So I like it for some things, but for for uh, for him, gloss it's not, is great. So. Even semi gloss is great for protecting models, mm-hmm. but it's hard because of that sheen. It's like yeah, in order to get it off, you have to apply like either an anti shine varnish or an anti shine additive, or just start layering that finish on it. Yeah, and I've got a lustreless version of the same product, so I'm just going to... Usually that cleans it right up. Yeah. So, But Arkan's got some work to do. I've started working on him, um, so he's, he's got some, 
It's going to be a little while, but I think I might be able to finish it by this weekend. Very cool. By Sunday, I'm hoping. And that's about on schedule. You had said about two months. Mm-hmm. It's been about two months. Yeah. So that's pretty much right on schedule. The base is amazing, I have to say. Like, Big. When you, when you <laughs> described it to me, I was like, okay, that sounds good. But when I saw it, seeing it, I was like, wow, this is really good. Like, yeah. this looks like something I would have bought in the store. It's really nice. Yeah, I so, appreciate that. Yeah, so, it's, it's still good. got some work to do, but it's yeah. got some colors down and... I think it's going to come together pretty nice. I think it's going to be a really nice centerpiece. And if I was playing um, Age of Sigmar, I would absolutely be in terror when I saw this guy across the table. <laughs> so, um, well, we've got a couple other things coming up down the pike. We just got a, an Abaddon figure in that we're going to paint up to gold level for a special client in my gaming group. Uh, we've also got some Nurgle demons that are coming up, some assembly only. This guy wanted some uh, Nurgle-themed demons, but he wants them from some of the other factions. So he wants Nurgle-themed demonettes, Nurgle-themed pink horrors, and a Nurgle-themed burning chariot or two burning chariots so that was interesting we sort of traded a bunch of emails back and forth about how to do it and um we're going to be doing some really cool conversions for that i'm really looking forward to that sounds good yeah it'll be a lot of fun and um then uh we also have a kind of a surprise dark angels army that came up Mm -hmm. we ran this we run this special on um, ebay where we advertise two thousand points for two thousand dollars and the general idea is people can pick their points and there's some restrictions but mostly it's very wide open and um, what people come up with is they'll come up to us with an army list. And the reason that I like the special is that it gets you less thinking about, as a player, nickel and diming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gets you more thinking about what do you want to play. Like, rather than sit there and ask me how much I charge to paint a rhino versus a marine versus a squad versus a character, you just tell me what you want, and I tell you whether or not I can fit that into to the budget. And nine, I, I, we've done this, uh, I don't know, six or seven times over the years. Every single time it's worked. Nice. I have never not done this project. It's a smart idea. Yeah, yeah. It works out well. Um, they're the only really restrictions on it, and there's a lot of cool things about it. The only real restriction is, is um, if you want Forge World models, I charge double points for those because they cost so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only other thing we've ran into recently is that GW now has all of these free upgrades. They'll give you free vehicles. Right. <laughs> and a couple of guys tried to get me on that. They're like, well, the Razorbacks don't cost anything. And I was like, well, they cost me. Yeah. So I don't do that. And I had to put a disclaimer up on the listing to say, like, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that being said, it, it, the people who have been doing it have been in very good spirits, and I've gotten a, a couple of kicks off of it. And I'm I'm really excited. We've got another army that might might be pop- coming up, this Ren's World army I've mentioned before. I've been corresponding with this guy about this orc marine kit bash army, hmm. um, which would be really yeah. fun. Um, I, I love kit bashes; they're kind of my favorite thing yeah, to do. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, not after two back-to-back Mad Max armies, but um, <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to jump into our rotating segment. And tonight, we're going to be talking about special spotlights uh, or spotlights. But you know what? We're going to be talking about some deals that we got coming up down the pike, and you can take advantage of them. And we'll be right back after this. Need a model assembled or painted but no money to spare? White Metal Games is now offering trade-ins. Send us pictures of your old models, bits, boxes, even new kits. Make us an offer we can't refuse. Don't like negotiating and haggling? White Metal Games also offers consignment services. You can send us your old models, books, games to sell. We sell them through our eBay store and you pocket 55% of the sales price. You don't have to worry about eBay fees, PayPal fees, shipping fees. There's no crazy percentages, just easy money. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com today. All right, guys, our rotating segment for the night is specials. And um, uh, so basically what we're going to be talking about tonight is our discounts. We offer some discounts for certain orders. 
And I'm going to be talking about two of them tonight. Um, and uh, I was telling Philip about these earlier so he can kind of chime in as whether or not he thinks these are good ideas, bad ideas. We'll kind of get a sense for it. Mm-hmm. So the first one is called First of the Fray. And um, this is something I've tried before. And the basic idea is that companies like Privateer Press, Games Workshop, even Reaper, they're always releasing new product. And we like that product for sample material. We always want to show people what we can do. So I'm going to offer a flat discount. Normally it's 10% uh, on, on your labor on these products. So, for example, if GW releases... What's something they just released? Uh, well, they're just about to release... Right. Yeah, they're just Death about Watch. to release Deathwatch. So the idea is if we would normally paint that game up and it would cost, let's say, $1,000, then we're, we'll offer to do it for 900 now, that's the cost of labor plus the cost of materials in this case because I've already pre-worked it. But normally, if something would cost you a certain amount, it'll be 10% less on labor. Mm-hmm. Uh, not on materials, necessarily, although I do offer 25% off GW product. So that's the first idea. And the idea is there that, you know, normally you can only get a 10% discount with us if you buy a lot of stuff. So this gives you the advantage of a good discount with a KV that you've got to order it very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, GW releases a product, Privateer releases a product... I want you to book an order with us within about 10 days. So it comes out on, let's say, a Tuesday. By the next Friday, I want you to book with us because I want to get that stuff out. I want to get it done. I want to get it working on it. Um, and for 10% off, it's hard to beat that. Like, not yeah. a lot of studios offer that high. Uh, the second one I'm calling Alloy, um, although uh, I think I might come up with a different name for it. But the general idea is that we want to offer you electrum level painting at silver level pricing. So Electrum level is normally about 50% higher than Silver level. Silver is our tabletop. Um, So Electrum is like a tabletop plus. It's like tabletop, but we spoil it with a few extra details. Like we'll pick out out a few extra details we normally wouldn't pick out a tabletop. So it's kind of like a poor man's gold, you might say. Hence why it's kind of an alloy. Um, There are two K-beats with it. The first one is we pick the color scheme, period. Like if you call us and you're like, hey, I want to do a Nurgle army, we're probably going to do that green. Uh, but uh, if you call and you're like, I want a, a Space Marine army, unless you specify a chapter, we're probably going to just pick the color scheme. Uh, and the idea there is that we need to come up with, like, you know, what happens is I'll get a guy who does, like, a Blood Raven army, and then I have 80 different models, but they're all painted in the same color scheme. So we need to diversify our product a little bit. So we want to do that by creating a good-looking product, but something that, that we want to see ourselves. And uh, uh, the second rule is um, we don't send you client updates because uh, client updates are actually really time-consuming. Every Monday I update my clients mm-hmm. with work-in-progress pictures. They have to be yeah. edited. They have to be sorted. They have to be emailed. They have to be attached. It's actually kind of time-consuming. Yeah. Uh, I have set aside all of Mondays to do client updates now, and it takes probably about four or five hours to do my client updates. It's, it's an intense part of my day. So saving us the trouble of that, we will trade you a discount. And the discount, I think, on Alloy is also about 10%. So if you're a trusting person that likes our work and you don't care that much about color scheme, but you want a good-looking model, army, whatever, it's perfect for you. Now, how would you do pricing, then? If you don't have any updates, someone going to commit price-wise at the beginning? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so if someone says, I want an army, if I want, they'll tell us, like, let's say an army. They say they give us our army list. So we would budget it out like a silver army. We would say, like, this is what it would cost us at silver. Well, let's say $2,000. They have 2,000 points. They want to paint it up to $2,000 at silver level. But they're like, I'm willing to sacrifice updates and color scheme, but I want electrum level. Boom, done. 
Gotcha. So that's basically the idea. So it'll cost them the same. We do, we're trading our time in that I'm not doing updates. I'm not spending time doing that. I'm not trying to match your color scheme. Uh, and the time we save there, we can apply to your details, basically. Um, and I got this idea. Den of Imagination is running a similar special. They're calling Battle Ready or Battle Top or Battle Something. And I was like, that's a great fucking idea. I'm mm-hmm. going to try that. So we're going to try it out as an experimental basis. So if, uh, if you're interested, email us at info at whitemetalgames.com. Tell us what you got in mind. Don't tell us your color scheme because we're not going to listen <laughs> when it comes to alloy. We'll listen when it comes to First of the Freight a little bit, but we're probably going to paint it like the box. Um, so, yeah, those are our two new specials right now. Cool. If you were a client, do you think those would be things you'd buy? Um, yeah, I mean, if you don't have a specific idea in mind, you kind of want to just, you want a Space Marine army, but you don't have a specific chapter to yeah. get drawn to. Especially if you're picking or a, that you're a new, stuck with. you're doing a new project. Yeah. Um, you, you want know something else? unique, maybe, that's got a little bit of that studio's yeah. touch I guess. You know what else that'd be good for really is um, is RPG figures. Mm-hmm. Like if someone was like, I have I have a party of monsters and adventurers I want to paint up, and you didn't care what they were painted to, perfect. Yeah. Like you sell them to us, we pick our colors. Um, you know, and I like that. Rather, uh, the paint by number thing is fine when people are very specific, but I also just like letting my creativity run wild and see sure. where it goes. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a brief break, and when we jump back in, we'll be talking with uh, Benson of Mindworm Games. We're going to talk about Exile, so we'll be right back after this. If you're interested in advertising on War Council, let us know. We can be reached at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Rates are extremely competitive, but there are limited slots available, so please contact us soon. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, we're going to jump into the uh, meat and potatoes of our episode, our tips on technique for tonight. And tonight, as we mentioned, we're doing an interview episode. Uh, we've got on the line Benson with Mindworm Games, and we're going to talk with him about not only Mindworm Games and uh, casting miniatures in an age of 3D printing, but his also his new game, Exiles, coming out, coming to you soon. Uh, Benson, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. It's great to hear my uh, my company's name kind of <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah, Exiles is a fun name to say. It just yeah. like it kind of it kind of makes me want to play it based on that. Like I want to be an exile. I want to be the Ronin yeah. of the West. You know. <laughs> so it's it's a fun name. I, I think uh, they say that the name of the game is often one of the better sellers. So well done. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Exiles has gone through lots of derivations over the years. Um, it was Jesse, my business partner, originally conceived of the game back when I was in high school in the in the, in the fictional setting and everything. And uh, they they originally called it like the Western game or something like that. It was a really, really bad uh, title. Sure. And uh, I remember one time I was going up to uh, college in Ohio from New Orleans, and I was going to take the game with me because I couldn't be you know I couldn't be bear, I couldn't bear to separate from it right. So uh, I said, this this has to have a name. I can't I can't just take this game to strangers and be like, oh, it's this weird game that we play in our in our garage, right? So um, <laughs> you're those guys. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? So we bounced. You'd like and, girls to come? Do you have girls? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Bring right. them, please. <laughs> so we, we bounced around names for a while, and I eventually landed on Exiles because I, I just thought it was it was punchy, and uh, it really fits for the setting, because Exiles takes place on the frontier, and what. It's it's horrible. It's a horribly grim setting. As far as much as it's horribly grim, it's also funny. But um, nobody much who's like a out there ways to die in the West. What's that? Much like a thousand day ways to die in the West. Yeah, exactly. Right. Somehow humorous and grim all at the same time. Exactly. Right. 
nobody who's out there um, is there because they want to. They're always there because they were kicked out of somewhere else. Okay. So they're always exiled out to the frontiers. Anybody you meet in the Exiles universe has been kicked out of somewhere else, and they just wind up in this horrible, grim place trying to, you know, get along. Nice. Well, um, I'll tell you what, let's take a step back before we jump into Exiles, and I do want to talk about Exiles, but before we even get into that, let's talk about kind of origin stories for Mindworm games. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you guys got your start, and uh, I guess how you jumped into casting miniatures? Um, like, from what we can see, we've, we've been seeing some posts on Bella Lost Souls. You guys have done a really good job of kind of explaining your operation, showing us all of your little robot casting, uh, you know, helpers. And, uh, you know, it looks like, for all intents and purposes, a very well-to-do, uh, you know, uh, miniature casting operation that we just previously weren't aware of. So make us aware of it. How did you guys get your start? And, and like, you know, tell us a little bit about your staff. And, and uh, yeah, how did you guys get started? Well, Exiles got started because, um, sorry, Mindworm Games got started because uh, I, I love Exiles. And when, uh, when I moved back to, to New Orleans from Ohio after I finished grad school, I got. I was married, and I had kids, and I got a real job, right? <laughs> so I didn't have time to play a lot of role-playing games because they take a whole lot of time to play. Sure, sure. So I started playing a lot of skirmish war games because I couldn't even play really big war games that take a lot of time to play either. So I started playing a lot of you know Mordheim and Gorkamorka, Necromunda, a little one or two hour skirmish games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Freebooters Fate, all that kind of stuff. And uh, Exiles just never really dies in you ever, and I couldn't put it aside. So eventually. Um, I started making some house rules for some, you know, skirmish war games, and I kind of made Exiles into a tabletop game and started running it for some friends of mine, and they were really enjoying it. So eventually, I, I pulled Jesse aside and I said, "Hey, you want to do something stupid? I've got some money. <laughs> Let's just make a business and start making miniatures games, right?" And uh, Jesse, um, unfortunately, said, "That's a great idea." <laughs> 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 so then, uh, so then we got together and um, I pointed up some cash and we we went hunting for equipment because okay. from, from from day one we always uh, we always knew that we wanted to do everything we possibly could in house, which meant okay. um, manufacturing in house in whatever material we decided to do it in, which ended, sure. en ended up being spin cast metal, white metal. Mostly because yes. Jesse and I hate resin casting. <laughs> okay, makes it, sense. It's very resin casting is it's weird because it's um, it's messy, right? You think like spin casting sounds like it's really messy because you got you know sulfurous rubber and molten metal Flying and it sprays places. places. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but resin it gets on everything, just like sure. you spill really? it and it and it gets in stuff, it clogs and stuff, and you have to and there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of really precise measuring with resin casting. Anyway, so, so just, to, just to, so can you not? Because I have some experience with resin casting. I've done some in house, just for you know little terrain projects and stuff. And you're right; it does get on everything. It is messy. Uh, can you not spin cast resin? Like I've never seen it done, but I don't know enough about casting to know if that's a dumb question or not. You can spin cast resin, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure we have never tried it because I don't like working with resin. Um, sure. I, there's a few companies that do spin cast resin. You can spin cast, you know, a lot of you know different. Don't get me wrong. I love white metal because the details I feel like come out sharper. Um, in, in my experience, whenever there's like a, a resin miniature or a pewter miniature, if I have an option, I generally go pewter, um, unless it's really big and I'm going to have to pin the shit out of it. <laughs> for, for most of like the small tabletop models, like res, or, you know, 
Pewter is just gray, or, or white metal, or whatever you want to call it, spin cast metal. Well, you're called white metal games, right? Right, I'm called white metal <laughs> games because, you know, we, we, li- we like that. Like, we, for one, we wanted to be true to the, the origin of the hobby, and the origin of the hobby was white metal, yep. long before resin, long before plastic. Um, so I, I think it's great you guys are sticking true to form, for sure. Yeah, and that's one thing we want to do, is we want to try to get back closer to the spirit of those early tabletop games where it was sort of an anything-goes, make-whatever-the-fuck-you-want atmosphere, and people were making their own games with their own hands. Like I say on our website, I think somewhere, um, we want to bring you back to the days when when games were sold out the back of creepy vans (laughs) by weirdo. I do remember remember that being on your site, among other things. but that's mostly because we want to, you know, we want to try to uh, be a company that's more about being relaxed and having fun and doing what you want to do. Um, because Mind Warm Games is not my day job. Sure. I, I do it because I, I find it really fun to make things. And that's an also why the business sort of got started. It's, Exiles is fun. It's fun to play. Um, the, the, the fictional universe is really, really fun and engaging. But at its core, I like building things and designing games and, you know, creating things for other people to enjoy and that's that's really what it mindworm games is about is making things my, on my own um, that other people can enjoy I think people forget that at the heart of any game there is a designer and like you know D&D is a good example of this it was originally like a garage game where Gygax kind of wrote it for people in his in his immediate play group and it just catch, caught on um, and we forget that that's how a lot of games get started there's nothing you know, there's nothing stopping anyone from doing exactly what you're doing other than time and, and resources. So exactly. I think, it's, I think it's great. And that's an also a thing we want to do with Mindworm Games is help build a community of empowered gamers who have the cool. resources and the skills to bring their own creative visions to life. I mean, that's a super positive message. I think people can definitely get yeah. behind that. Um, I love it. I think I think it's, it's so far you're firing on all cylinders. Man. As far as I, I can't pick any holes in your logic so far, so I think you're you're going pretty good. I am curious though, like Pewter right now. One of the reasons I know some companies have started to come go away from that is the price. I mean, Pewter itself has gone way up in cost. So do you find that possibly being problematic when you compare it to plastic or maybe even resin? No, and the reason uh, there's a few reasons why. Um, the first reason is that I, I, I never knew, I never experienced pewter being cheaper, so I, I'm never like looking at the price of pewter today and going, oh my god, my business is in shambles. <laughs> the golden um, age of pewter is gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, right. I look, at, I look at pewter, I'm like, all right, it's always been about 13 bucks a pound, you know? Um, okay. But it, tin is a commodity, uh, so it does fluctuate in price, and that is that does make running a business off of pewter a little bit more challenging. But to give you a little peek behind the curtain and what, what goes into miniatures, um, if you figure most pewters around $13 a pound if you buy in bulk today and you get 16 ounces to a pound and a lot of miniatures are half an ounce or less right so you can do the math and figure out how much material cost is in that pewter miniature sure so yeah if you look at it like an infinity miniature that mm-hmm. sucker averages yeah. probably nine dollars a model right right at least yeah. not much of that is material cost it's mostly art and uh, design. Yeah, once you have your initial product design, your molds made, and that sort of thing, really, you, you can profit indefinitely on it. Yeah, and that's how companies like Hassle-Free Miniatures and Reaper Miniatures, they have a business model where they're always putting out new miniatures yeah. because um, the, produ- the production costs for spin cast miniatures um, are, are relatively inexpensive, especially right. if you have access to a sculptor uh, for, you know, and not crazy rates. Um, 
They started as a garage operation, too. Exactly, right. Uh, yeah. Not exactly. that long ago, in fact. Even if you go to their site, I feel like it was only 15, 20 years ago. Exactly, yeah. And a lot of miniatures businesses started around that time. So you'll find a lot of people in the industry who got started, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Right. Um, but one thing that's cool about uh, one, one way that Reaper and, and Hassle Free and companies like that make, uh, you know, make their money is they, uh, the initial sale of those new models um, is usually enough to get close to or to adequately pay off your development costs. And after sure. that, sales might trickle off, right? So that miniature might not sell a whole lot, but you have a, a deep catalog and that, that miniature sells a few units a year. And when you have a catalog of thousands of miniatures, you right. make plenty of money. Yeah, we get that all the time because what we do is we'll, we'll buy miniatures from Reaper, for example. We'll paint them up as a sample product, sell the sample. And then we, we kind of have that as a resource where we know that, you know, Reaper, like you said, I may not, I may only buy one or two of every individual, I don't, not every individual model, but we may buy 50, 60 models a year. They may all be different. So they're not making a ton off of one model from us, but they're making a lot in bulk from us. Yeah. And we probably buy more than the average consumer because we're buying on behalf of clients, but lots of people for RP, there's a lot of role players out there and they all need their wizards and their warriors and their whatevers. And uh, yeah, Reaper, but, has, Reaper has something for everything now. Man. Yes, it does. It's a nice way yeah. to put it. Reaper has a lot of weird shit. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, between like sure. Chronoscope and their future lines and they have, they have superhero lines and... Um, and they have paints. They're a smart company. Yeah. Um, and nice I'm glad to see that you guys are kind of like, I don't know if you're using them as, as sort of a, it sounds like you've drawn some influence from their business model, um, which is a smart uh, way to go, I think. You know, um, yes and no. Uh, so one one influence we've drawn from Reaper is, you know, having a sort of a can-do attitude and, and uh, sure. an idea that you're going to build good products with your own hands and um, have a high, uh, high uh, commitment to high quality. So we are taking that sort of idea from Reaper and this idea that you want to help empower other people to develop their own and their own products. Reaper is very good about that. Sure. Our business model in terms of Exiles, Exiles is their only you know product that we're putting out you know <laughs> recently. So I can't say we have a lot of a different you know anything other than Exiles as, as a business model. But the release format for Exiles is a lot more sort of modern in the sense that it's uh, it's a lot closer to a Fantasy Flight Games type rele- uh, release format like okay. uh, X Wing the Miniatures game. Sure where you're getting all of your stuff together with your model. So we're never going to sell just a miniature by itself hanging out. All of our miniatures are going to come with all the stuff to play the game. So I guess define stuff. Stuff. All right, great. It's a great question. So, uh, for example, if you want to play an Exiles character in your game, let's say you want to play a Gunslinger, which is one of our personas, you would buy your Gunslinger persona pack, which is a, a nice wooden box that comes with two Gunslinger character models because miniatures have to look like somebody right Mm -hmm. and then all the other stuff is uh your character stat cards and your item cards and your skill cards and then a huge pile of tokens um because you know that's that's what you know uh, okay sounds like stuff yeah lots of stuff (laughs) mostly tokens and cards Um, just like a fantasy flight game fantasy flight games are always full of tokens and cards (laughs) kind of like a starter box yeah 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 what's nice about a persona pack though is that you can play off that uh, for a huge amount of time. We designed them so that if you if you you know spent whatever uh, amount of money in the Persona pack, that it's going to be a retail release. Um, you you'd have your, your model for your character, and then you have enough stuff that you can probably spend money until on, on new stuff out of that box for your character. Like character buys a new gun or whatever uh, until well after the expected lifetime of that character. Exiles characters get murdered eventually. 
they all they all die eventually. <laughs> Being a gunslinger is a dangerous life. It's dangerous, right? Yeah, Exiles is a pretty brutal game. Um, characters can die pretty easily. Uh, so normally, so what happens when, when a character dies? Like, what is the what happens next? You're just dead, right? You just make, oh, okay. make a new character, right? All right, make a new um, character. Usually, you're, we we like to uh, we like to take the gear out of the game. Um, sure. it's, it's a good balancing mechanic so that the, the economy of the, of the campaign doesn't get all out of whack. Um, but uh, you know, so the character dies, but the game goes on. Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, in, in a perfect world, um, uh, an Exiles player has uh, three characters: the character okay. they're playing, the next character they're going to play when that character dies, and the character sure. they want to play later. <laughs> okay, so they have like one on two on deck, so to speak. Yeah, two on deck, right? Now that's not saying that your character's going to die after like two or three games, right? Um, Exiles characters can live for no, years. When, of they, when they die, you kind of are, are set to go. Yeah, exactly. And that's sort of how our release format is uh, is kind of tailored. You know, like in X-Wing, you go and you buy a new ship, and you can immediately incorporate that ship into your, you know, um, into your fleets, uh, and then you can order squads or whatever, because they're squads. And then you get cards that are also useful for a lot of other ships in the game, and it kind of expands the, the you know, universe of the game. Okay. Um, Exiles personas are the same way. So we have like six personas at release, but then we're going to be releasing persona after persona after persona after persona. That's all just different types of characters that you can play okay. in the game, and they'll come with different stuff, different equipment, and different skills that'll expand the kind of available content of the game as a whole. So how many different characters are available with the release? There's going to be six different personas at release. We call them regular personas because okay. they are um, badasses of the regular frontier variety. Okay. Um, gunslinger, trapper, doctor, that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. Personas that are released after that, we call them tier personas, and they're arranged in sort of a tiered uh, system of badassery, right? So there's, there's three levels of how awesome they are, um, but they're all kind of fucked up and weird and supernatural um, because Exiles is sort of a weird West setting. Um, so like one of our... Uh, personas that we're going to release is um, called Scarecrow, and it's a you know it's a living skeleton, right? It's just a, a person who's completely skeletal with two human eyes, and they're called Scarecrows because they wear clothes and stuff them with straw so that they don't look like skeletons. <laughs> nice, huh? It's kind of a weird visual. Yeah. Interesting. I like it. Is that based on any kind of like lore or like mythos from history or something like? Uh... Or did you guys just sort of cook that up in your in your weird minds? You're like, you know, it'd be funny, uh, skeleton with hay. That'd be kind of cool, <laughs> but with normal eyes. Like, yeah, that'd be good. Well, like, did you guys just cook that up, or was that like based on uh, some sort of Wild West, like I don't know, fable? Uh, well, personally, I like to try to stay away from the dark corners of Jesse's mind. Um, okay. So right. he dreamt he, he dreamt all that up, but right. uh, I can say um, skeletons are a cool. Um, oh, yeah. B um, skeletons are uh, pretty uh, pretty standard trope in your weird west settings or your you know living gunslingers. Um, <laughs> dead bodies, maybe dead bodies dead skeletons. Are, sure, yeah, 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 yeah exactly, right. And uh, you know your bleached skeleton in the desert. Sure. And um, uh, but like everything in Exiles, we've taken all these tropes and we've yeah. crammed them down into a little Exiles blender, which is Jesse's weird ass mind, sure. um, and turned it all up and made it into something completely fantastical and unique to Exiles. So there is a backstory as to, in a metaph metaphysical basis, for what what creates a skeleton, much sure. like there's a metaphysical basis in. Um, yeah, there's, there's a reason for the madness. Exactly. There's a, there's a reason why skeletons exist, um, and it's pretty horrifying. Um, <laughs> but, it, but there is a there is a reason why they exist. 
Well, I like the idea of like a gunslinger come back to life to avenge himself or some shit like that. I think that kind of plays into a fun corner of I'm going to go with Jesse's mind right now, but <laughs> I think anyone can get behind that really. Yeah, and I like I like playing. Uh, so your characters have these different tiers. It kind of reminds me of um, epic progressions in Privateer Press, where they'll do like a caster and then they'll do their epic version of the caster. So is this like assuming your characters survive, they advance to these different tiers? Ah, that is an awesome question. I'm excited to answer it, right? One of the uh, lovely things about Exiles as a, as a game, it's always been baked into the uh, concept of the, of the game from its inception, is we reward the player's investment in the game and not investment in a character, right? Okay. So the, if you just want to buy a Persona pack and play a character, you, know, you can go and do that. Um, but if, you, if you're following the sort of Exiles campaign system, as we're going to explain it in our rulebook, yeah. The um, uh, a really important system to that is called the Learn and Bank. Learning is experience in Exiles. We call it Learning. Um, the Learn and Bank is uh, like my, like me Benson, right? If I'm a player, every learning I earn on any character I ever play in this campaign goes into my Learn and Bank, right? Because I get credit for all the learning I've, I've accrued for any character, right? And then you can spend that learning out of your Learn and Bank to gain access to a brand new character of a higher tier persona, right? So if I play gunslingers and trappers and doctors until I have you know 150 learning, I can uh, in my bank, I can spend that learning, get rid of my character that I'm playing now and start playing a scarecrow, brand new. Interesting, nice. So it encourages so, character turnover, it encourages item churn, and uh, and that's one another reason why a lot of exiles players have three or four characters in mind because they're planning on, oh, once I get to this much learning bank, I'm going to play this tier persona and I'm going to give up this character. And if this character gets killed before that happens, I'm going to make a gunslinger and I'll play him for a couple of games until I get enough learning in my bank to get rid of him and then start a new character. Right. So you got you mentioned campaigns. Mm -hmm. uh, so it sounds like this is like a game is a certain amount of time. A campaign is how many games? A campaign is a is an open-ended number of games. Um, okay. Exiles is like we, what we like to call miniatures action role-playing. So the actual individual game that you play, it, it has this fast, furious play style that's very reminiscent of a skirmish war game. So if you like skirmish war games, it'll feel you'll feel right at home playing Exiles um, just on the table. Um, but we have a, a very deep campaign system that uh, uses what we like to call the event scenario campaign structure. So an event is your single Exiles game, right? You put your models on the table, you play, it has a win condition, you win the game, and then you're done. Events are organized into scenarios. So a scenario might be at least two events, sometimes three, maybe four events. And what makes a scenario unique um, from an event is that you use approximately the, the same table setup. So you'll set your table up with all your terrain and all your stuff, and then you play your first event, and then you can immediately turn around and play your second event or your third event or your fourth event without really moving the train on the table, but the okay. circumstances change. Hmm. Right. Okay. And then scenarios are linked together in a campaign. So for example, the Troy Hatcher and the Scarbelly Gang campaign is gonna be our first campaign that we release with, um, uh, with uh, our, our first wave of products. That has, uh, it's a three-part campaign that has three scenarios per part two events per scenario, so you have nine scenarios written uh, and ready to play. But we're going to be releasing expansion products that also give you additional scenarios to play or additional campaigns to play, 
And what's nice from a from a role playing perspective, if you're trying to kind of tell a, tell a consistent story throughout your campaign, sure. every scenario is designed to um, be to take place on an ambiguous what I call an ambiguous time scale, right? So if you're if you're kind of imagining the world your characters are inhabiting, if you play scenario two of Troy Hatcher and the Scarbelly Gang, um, the the time between scenario two and scenario three can be any length of time, and it makes sense, right? So it's not like it, it's not like scenario three happens the day after scenario two. It's scenario three happens whenever you decide to do scenario three, and there's a logical reason why you can spend a week or a month or a day between scenarios two and three. And in that intervening time, you can slot in scenarios from other campaigns and weave it together into a big fun story. Okay, interesting. I like it. So it's meant to be something you play a little bit here and there. You come back, or maybe you go back to work and something, or do your week, and then meet up again the following week or the following month or whatever, and pick up where you left off. Yeah, exactly right. And then yeah. you know what I what I what I like what I imagine um, is that there's like you know, there's an exiles you know group that's playing in sort of an amorphous campaign that involves anybody who feels like playing in the campaign at any particular time, and people exchange game mastering the game you know on different nights um and so what i'd love in my brain the way it would work is that you know somebody we release a new campaign or a new a new scenario product somebody thinks it's really awesome they go and they buy it and they're like hey guys i want to play i want to i want to run this scenario today so today when we play exiles i'll be the governor and i'll run this scenario that i bought that has a bunch of zombies because i love zombies and i'm gonna kill everybody <laughs> and the governor is kind of like a game master yeah, we call we call the the game master the governor because it's more westerny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think the vernacular is fun. Yeah, um, reminds me of Walking Dead. Though. It does. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> but that's not not in a bad way. It's just bad scary. Yeah, it's yeah. a scary. The governor um, has an ominous. So, what if a player wants to play with more than one figure at a time? Like, let's say, like it's you know, I, I'm not saying like more than P versus P, but like let's say me and Philip are playing a game, and I want to play a whole gang that's coming after his gang, like four or five guys versus. I don't know. He's defending the town. He's got five or ten guys. How sure. does that work? Um, well, uh, there's two ways to answer your question. First, if you're playing cooperatively, um, you, there's a, we have a system called the sidekick system. Okay. So that um, you can um, uh, you can play your character, and then you can use any character as a sidekick, and they have much much simpler stats. So you it gives you the ability to control more than one character in a game without having to spend a lot of time addressing all that shit with two characters, but uh, what you're talking about is more of a skirmish game format, and what we are doing is uh, every a bad guy in the game, every sidekick, every boss, every henchman has a higher cost, and that higher cost um, is balanced for skirmish war game play. And we're working on a skirmish war game version of the Exiles rules, which is going to be a really subtle shift in the rules that will allow you to do exactly what you want, are talking about doing. Okay, so with the with the cost modifier, you kind of have a not really a point system, but kind of like that. Way to balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah way to balance it. Basically, out. a point system. Yeah. So yeah, okay. we will develop a system that says you know you'll play it whatever you know fifty dollars or whatever, um, and then we also have a, a baked in faction system sure. um, that so like you'll be only be, you'll be able to hire models from certain factions if you're if you're this faction right. So you'll pick a boss, and your boss will be from you know the outlaws or the Serape or the wastelanders. Um, and then that'll let you hire models that are of a certain type of faction. Then you can build a force just like a skirmish war game. So currently it's more like a one-on-one -on -one challenge scenario. But yeah. You, but yeah. you can incorporate more, but there's rules. There's a rule set to incorporate skirmish play. 
Yeah, exactly. We're gonna we're gonna try to. I mean, we are we are we're currently working on that. It's not it's not our highest priority, and I sure. think we'll probably release the skirmish war game rules for free at some point um, after Gen Con. We need to play test them. We need to work them out. Um, but we we do we do have that in mind as we're as we're pricing out um, the higher costs for all of our you know henchmen and whatnot. We are considering balancing them for eventual skirmish war gameplay. Um, the, well, the, and I'm not trying to be a naysayer because I think it's a really cool sounding setting. But I know that the, I, I would guess that the principal buyers of this product would be war gamers. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, like, and, and they're used to skirmish games. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's kind of what they know. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's what I know too. I love skirmish war games, um, and we, it was always our intention to to develop rules um, that will allow exiles to quickly shift into a skirmish war war game format, um, and. Uh, one of the we we need to do a lot of playtesting on this to see if it's not insane, but one of the uh, one of my ideas in terms of how to structure the um, the, the the skirmish war game version is um, to keep that simultaneous play mechanic. So normally, in a if you're playing a, if you're playing cooperatively with the governor, um, all the all the characters would move in that twenty seconds. You'd all take your actions in that twenty seconds. Um, in the skirmish war game version. My plan like literally going at the same time. Yeah, my, like my, my literally, plan like, if I go, you go, kind of thing. Literally, you are playing against a buddy, and both of you have twenty seconds to do everything with your models. So now it's a game but of. This, I guess what I'm asking is, is, is it the same twenty seconds? Oh yeah, the same twenty seconds. Yeah, you both. So have... at the same time that I'm moving, Philip is moving. In this Philip scenario. is moving his models. You're moving your models. Well, what if we want to go to the same spot? Yeah, well, <laughs> no, whoever like... gets there first, right? I like that. All right. Like I said, we have to play test it. That's interesting. Um, but uh, I think it will be uh, raucously fun. What I like about it is it's a different style. Of, like, first off, I hate the games where it's like all of my figures go and then all of your figures go. Mm-hmm. Because then you can lose in the first turn. Uh, I like better the privateer system where it's like you go move a model, I move a model. And then we kind of tap the figure to, to recognize it was moved. Uh, well, they don't even do that. Actually, you can you can just keep moving the same figures, I think, over and over. Um, I, I think this is a different mechanic than I've heard before, and different is always good. Mm-hmm. I think it's nice and fresh. I haven't seen this before. I love the idea of timed play. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, and it certainly adds to the, the sense of um, immediacy, I guess. Yeah, you know, um, I have that's to say that when we originally conceived of this idea, like when I, I came to Jesse and I said, all right, I have some money, let's buy some spin casting stuff and let's make a game. <laughs> uh, we, we, in, in the cold sobriety, the next day, we're like, all right, well... Oh my God, what the hell did we do? Yeah, what, what kind of we game are we going to design? We all this crap. Yeah, what, uh, <laughs> what game are we going to design? What's, what are the sure, rules sure. going to be like? And Jesse had this idea about the simultaneous play mechanic, and I was like, "That's that's crazy, man. That's never going to work. You're insane. Yeah, it's yeah, never yeah. going to work." Um, and then I, I spent the past year uh, waking up in cold sweats every night, thinking, "This is never going to work. This, this is never going to work." Like, I, I, I've seen it working, but it's never. So, some some flaw is going to be exposed in this system, and it's going to come crumbling down. But um, it's held up remarkably robustly throughout uh, lots of playtesting. And um, so you're you're in playtesting now, and you've mm-hmm. got a bunch of plans for stuff to release. But you're not going the modern day route of the Kickstarter route. So you're planning to because you're an in-house operation, uh, you have this huge advantage where you can release your own product uh, and literally distribute your own product and all that sort of stuff. So when can we start to expect to see some of this? Yeah, we're not doing a Kickstarter. That's a, that's the the. The first question that I normally get, and that's an, it's an interesting indication of the of the way. And, the, and I don't I don't say that in, in the way like if you don't you'll you won't work because lots of games try that and don't work. 
Uh, no, I've no, seen I think many it's, games. It, it's useful for some companies. Yeah, I think Kickstarter is a viable format. I think there's a lot of good things about it. Uh, and there's also a lot of things about it that make me scared and uh, make yeah. me think, make, make me worried about being really stressed out. Um, so most of the reason why we're not doing Kickstarter is because I just don't want the stress of sitting down for three weeks and staring at my computer and biting my nails, right? Um, <laughs> and then have like six months where I'm like racing against the clock to fulfill on time. I don't want to deal with that. Um, but no, so we're releasing in-house and um, like I said, the products are going to be available for the first time officially at Gen Con in person and then we're going to release them online after Gen Con. When is but, Gen Con? July? What's that? Is Gen, Gen Con, Con is Jul August 4 through August 7. 4. Okay. Right. So uh, beginning of August. All right. So you got seven months. Well, uh, we yeah, are also going to release some. Yeah. There's a caveat, right? We are going to release some limited edition pre-release Persona packs uh, before Gen Con, and the first one will be our Doctor Persona pack, and hopefully we'll have that out by the end of March. Cool. Adam yeah. Bernier, our uh, wonderful, fantastic illustrator and also graphic designer, is working on our new card art and our new card frames and layouts and that's okay. coming along spectacularly so when those are done we'll put together the cards for the doctor persona pack I'm working on the production molds for the doctor miniatures right now and uh, we're working on a new brand for the box and then that should be good to go nice awesome I'm now, thinking, what's that uh, curious um, so you've got an artist to do the illustrator who's, do, who's doing the sculpting who's doing the sculpting mm -hmm. um, that's Marco Sano Okay. Um, I don't know if you know him. Um, he did a, a Kickstarter called Aetr, A-E-T-R, I think. I really, I'm sorry, Marco, if you're listening to this. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce <laughs> your Kickstarter name. Um, he's a fantastic... Who could? A-E-T, <laughs> I'm not for sure. Is that a pronoun? I don't... <laughs> it was like 54 millimeter, like weird demon-y things. All right, I like okay. that. So it's sort of out of my wheelhouse. Up our alley. Is yeah. that the size you're going for? Fifty four. No, 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 no. Or? We're doing uh, thirty three millimeters uh, okay, bottom of the game. foot. Top of the <laughs> yeah. Well, it's only a couple guys, so it's not. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I like thirty three millimeters. I think fifty four is uh, a little too big. It's great for display, definitely. Uh, but it's it's not like it's almost like an action figure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think forty millimeters even too big. I get a little I get a little ornery about forty millimeters. Yeah, well, and you don't see forty millimeter a lot. Like people have generally adapted the the twenty eight to thirty two millimeter scale. So I think you're right in there. You're you're, you're on target. Well, and we're also doing some interesting proportions. Um, uh, we're trying to stay very close to as as close to realistic proportions as we as we can. Obviously, you can't do that with a scale model. Um, but Marco has done a really fantastic job of getting some nice fine detail. Um, and uh, having you know like uh, uh, weapons as small and realistically proportioned as we can get them, um, and so I've been very excited about our models. They're coming out incredibly well, and uh, I think people will really enjoy the way the look and feel them. I think it's they're on they're on sort of the bleeding edge um, of, uh, of so sort of the artistic frontier in tabletop gaming right now. Very Sweet. cool. I'm excited to see them. Hopefully, yeah. paint them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm super excited to see what you guys do with it and kind of where you go from there. Um, uh, not to jump too much ahead, but do you guys have plans for using the the Exile system and kind of adapting it into other product down the road, like I don't know, fantasy games, sci-fi games, like whatever. You know, that's a really interesting question. Some friends of mine who have played Exiles and have been playtesting it have uh, have talked about that, adapting the system for use in other genres. Sure. And I and I think it can absolutely be be adapted. It's um, we'll have to see. Well, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's yeah. You don't want to rush in, but you, but you know, it's nice to have like GURPS is a good example of this, where they created a system where it's like 
look, the basic rules don't change. I mean, yeah, exactly. So I think you know what's nice. I, um, it, it'll take some fiddling, I think, to see how much of the of the feel of the tabletop game as it exists now is related to like the exact skills you're using and the way those rules interactions yeah. work. Yeah, I mean, considering the the intense pace of it, you could easily see this like in a Gangs of New York style game or mm. a, a futuristic like you know uh, sci-fi shootout kind of thing or yeah. anything where the pace is fast, really. Yeah, and I think I think that's a I think it's a fantastic idea, and uh, it's well worth looking into and. Um, one thing that's ex- ex- that I think is exciting about the Exile system in general, this miniatures action role playing kind of system, yeah. is that uh, it's it's different from what a, a lot of what I've seen uh, on the market and a lot of what I've played. So I, I think it absolutely uh, could be adapted um, Very cool. to another to another genre. Nice. And if anybody wants to do that, I think we're going to be putting our beta rules out fairly soon. So if anybody wants to take it and run with it, and uh, you know start you know doing yeah, maybe have like a fan page where you can submit ideas or something. Yeah. Or a forum. Forums are good for that. Or conversions, and people can, can call you up and ask you to convert a whole bunch of models for their, uh, their new launcher. Yeah. We, uh, we tried to do that with, um, uh, was it Mantic Games? Mantic Games, they had a rep that gave us some stuff, and he had me convert up some, some figures, and uh, it was okay, but their models were different. They're, first off, they were plastic, and then they came on sprues. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I build a lot, and converting pewter can be tricky because... You're, you know, you're cutting computer, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, something that's an interesting uh, point you raise, um, one thing I, that I'm very excited about in the way we designed our models, um, yeah. because I, I put a lot of thought into this, sure. um, um, I want to make our models easy to use right out of the box. So our models, yeah. you pick them up out of the box, put them right on the table, they have integral bases, um, they're good to go. But nice. we spend a lot of time making them easy to modify if you're if you're a model like if you want to get out your 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 razor saw or your clipper I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see Vincent, we'll see. I uh, I just had Marco do three revisions on our Tabitha Griffith sculpt sure. just now uh, just to get her rifle in her hand in such a way that the stock was not touching her forearm and the gun wasn't touching her body so you could clip it off right at the hand. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I get why traditionally the reason people used to do it that way is that they wanted these sort of stoic poses because it was easier for creating molds. It made, it made perfect sense. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm making a, a barbarian and his sword is closer to his body, there's less chance of it not getting down in the mold versus, yep. like, a very well-posed figure. But the problem is, like, as you've pointed out, like, you get a big... At the end of the day, you get a big hunk of metal. And mm-hmm. clipping... I have many, many, many of my clippers have shattered. Uh, I've oh, lost man. many clippers yeah. to pewter models. Um, and razor saws are okay, except the figures are so small, mm-hmm. so it's very hard to get accurate cuts. So it, it, it kind of is like an exacerbated problem. That being said, you know the way you're describing them being posed is perfect. Like if there's not a lot, if like the, if the rifle stock isn't touching a leg, I don't have to worry about repairing the leg after I clip the rifle stock. Exactly. Exactly. So that's a good idea, and I think that's that shows a lot of foresight. So. Yeah, and we're also going to be releasing some uh, um, bits, some optional bits. Um, so my, my kind of creative vision is that like you'll get you open up your Exiles box and you have your two models ready to go. And if you're like a role play gamer or you're not a serious sure. war gamer, you'll be like, what is this bag of heads and hands and shit? Like, what is that? Fuck it, I'm not going to use this. But if you're if you're a modeler, you're like, oh sweet, I've got like a, I've got a pistol hand and I've got a head with a with a different hat and I've got a people love options. Yeah. yeah. Now they're not options that you can just immediately swap in, right? It's not like there's a 
the head. Is sure, like, it's not like uh, Kingdom Death, where it's like, uh, you know, you basically have a different hand, you have to pick a hand. Exactly right. So if, yeah. if you're going to modify these things, you're going to have to get out clippers and cutters and, and get down to the serious business of converting a miniature. Sure. But we try to make that accessible to people who want to do it. My, and most of the time, only serious hobbyists are going to do that, and they are generally going to know how to do it. That's my view of the world. Yeah, yeah. My view there's of the plenty world. of resources out there that you know show you how. Um, so it's not like there's not a lack of. I can go on you know any Google page and just Google how to assemble a miniature and find out in two seconds. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, my view of the world is that if um, um, if I provide you, uh, you know, we have a we have a way the products are imagined to be used. Um, and so, you know, they're single piece models, they can be used right out of the box. Sure. So we want to create a, a whole set of tools surrounding the, uh, the design of those models so that you can use them in whatever way that you want to. We want to make it easy for you to modify them if you want to modify them. Um, and I think that's a really fantastic approach to products in general. And Reaper does that where they have like, I mean, they're a little different, but they sell like accessory packs so to speak where you can buy like a pack of weapons you can buy familiars you can buy yes. hats hair heads whatever um and so you can modify your figures based on that and that's one of the things i love about reaper is that uh, i love that little thing at the bottom of the uh, of the the item uh, the, the product page where it has all the little bits <laughs> that you can get yeah right for sure you can click right to them there that was smart yeah. on their part if you like uh, if you like the wings on this model they're right here if you like exactly. the gun it's right yeah, here and i've done that many times when shopping Yep. I think the way you've designed the game too, that it's smaller. It's not. I mean, even Skirmish is small, but like you're only having a couple characters, maybe to start with. So it lends itself to the more of a more customizable. I mean, people would be more willing, I think, to customize their guy, even if it requires more time, like right. clippers and assault, because it's only a few guys as opposed to an entire army, like space. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. You're not having to worry about building a faction at a time. Exactly right. You don't have to you don't have to put together you know five, ten, fifteen models. You can put together your one model and then play that guy until he gets shot to death. <laughs> well, I, I guess that begs the question: Are you going to have character design rules down the road? Oh no, there are character design rules, right? So Exile, it's a miniatures action role playing game, right? So the only thing that makes a character actually unique is that they have a special skill called a badass action, and that's okay. uh, one way we just, we distinguish the characters. Otherwise, they're just assemblages of of of, the, of skills purchased from the same skill list. And we encourage people to play their own character, right? But in your persona packs, they have a. Do those guys have a card where if I wanted to, if I didn't want to, like, do the math, I could just play them right out of the box. Exactly right. So, for example, the Gunslinger box set is going to come with Johnny Jones and Tabitha Griffin. Sure, those sure. are your iconic Gunslinger characters, and those are your miniatures. And you're going to get a stack of like ten character sheets, and eight of them are going to be blank, so you can fill in with whatever you want. And um, two of them are going to be pre-filled out. Um, uh, 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 with uh, stats for Johnny Jones and Tabitha Griffith. So we're just sure. going to spend all your starting learning and we're going to spend all your starting money and say, all right, if you want to just pull Johnny Jones out of the box, grab a character sheet, grab these four items, and he has these skills. Go nuts. Nice. Yep. Very cool. Um, uh, is there any option for cooperative play? Like if the governor wants to take on the role as more of a, a game master and uh, maybe me and Philip want to team up against his band of thugs is there any kind of option for that uh like uh, the players cooperating with the governor yeah no against the governor yeah well that's like, that's the way that's the way the game is uh is set up is that uh, oh sorry i for some reason whenever i think wild west i think they're trying to kill each other oh <laughs> no, i just, I just assume like they're trying to shoot each other 
Yeah, that's a, that's a wargamer, right? It's a wargamer talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Exiles sure. is like I, I what I what I say in the new version of the rulebook is that Exiles is like a minis gang banged a role playing game and they left the baby outside to die, right? And Exiles that is the is baby. Very descriptive. Um, so you take a <laughs> you take a role playing you take the basic setup of a role playing game of a game master. Role playing game and a skirmish game had a baby. And exiled it to the west. <laughs> exactly this is right. what they would have. <laughs> That's perfect. So then you, so you have a basic setup of a role playing game with a uh, game master and a bunch of characters, a bunch of yeah. players that are playing characters that are working together. Sure. And then the the gameplay rules are like a skirmish war game. So it's all it's all intensely cooperative. So that's fun. So basically, you get a couple different options to play. Like you could play a PvP eventually, but you could also play kind of a dungeon master style scenario. Uh, yeah. So that's great. Yeah, and the nice thing about it is that um, I kind of imagine Exiles as like a side game. You know, Exiles in its history has never been a game that like anybody plays as their main sort of game. They're always playing. No, it's, it doesn't sound like it's it's designed to be a big, big, big tabletop game. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a sort of a, it's a quick playing side game that you can yeah. kind of pick up easily and kind of run when you want to. It's a big pretzel game. Yeah, exactly. So so that's our sort of philosophy is that like I imagine like in a perfect world, if, if Exiles is going exactly how I want to out in the out in the the wild world. Um, I imagine somebody has like their bag of 40k stuff that they bring to the game store and tucked in it is a persona pack for Exile. Yeah, that sounds great, man. Very cool. Hmm. Well, um, Benson, I feel like we've uh, we've we've taken up a lot of your time tonight, and this is all super great information. Um, we are super excited to see what Exiles does does, and uh, we can't wait for the launch. So, thank you so much for taking some time tonight to share this with us, tell us about the game, and kind of let us see the man behind the curtain a little bit in terms of mindworm <laughs> games. Um, we're also going to be co- uh, co-posting a blog post. Uh, we sent you a list of questions, which you were gracious enough to answer. So for lots of things we didn't cover tonight on the podcast, people can co-read those questions. And uh, we covered different topics tonight, which I'm gr- glad of. So, um, Benson, thank you so much. Is there anything you'd like to tell people, uh, anything that you want them to kind of be on the lookout for in the immediate future? Yeah, um, normally I would say, uh, you know, we've got products coming out and you should look at those and whatnot. But um, tonight what I'd really like to say is that um, if uh, if I don't mention my Facebook page and Instagram and Twitter, um, Mars is going to kill me. So um, check out check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're at Mindworm Games. Anywhere, uh, we, anywhere you'll find us, we're Mindworm Games. The For other sure. thing I'd like to say is... Um, we are absolutely, like I say, committed to building a community of empowered gamers. So if you have any questions about game design, about product design, about spin casting, about anything that we do, please send me an email, benson at mindwormgames.com, info at mindwormgames.com, and we will be happy to help you out in any way that we can. And you've been, I mean, from the first time I emailed you, you've been very responsive to my emails. So I can say with truancy that, like, you absolutely are paying attention. So that's great, man. Very cool. All right. All right. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna let you go for the evening, and guys, we'll be right back after this. All right. Thanks a whole lot. It was Thank fun. You, Benson. Hey guys, it's Caleb with War Council. Are you a purveyor of stuff? Are you an entrepreneur with something to preneur? Do you sell things related to tabletop gaming, painting, or some other aspect of the miniatures hobby? Would you like to advertise to like at least three listeners a show? Then you've come to the right place. War Council has a limited number of sponsorship slots available. Each slot guarantees you a banner ad on the White Metal Games website, and we're at like 300 likes on Facebook right now, so clearly at least 300 people can be bothered to click the like button at some point in time in their lives. For $20 a month, we'll promote you and your products on the show. For $10 more, you can have an entire 30-second commercial. Like this one, 
only, you know, better and more relevant and stuff. Email us at info at for more information, and until you do, put your manies where your mouth is. Hey guys, uh, welcome back. Alright, we're going to jump into our one minute rants or gushes. Um, and we were talking about this a little bit about before the show. I think we're going to gush tonight instead of mm, rant. I'm not yes. feeling very ranty tonight. So um, you had an idea to gush about, uh, what did you want to gush about tonight? Well, um, we mentioned Death Watch earlier, and um, I think a lot of people have talked about this in places like Bell of Souls, but the fact that Games Workshop is kind of going back to its roots a bit and bringing back yeah. some of its uh, some of its games. Bringing like, specialist games back. Yeah, which is, a, it's cool, it's exciting. It gives more options or opportunity, I guess, for some unique things, like for instance, that's watch you've got genes that are cool. So that's yeah. a cool way to incorporate something, some new models into your army. Um, you also don't game. have to commit to a big buy. Mm-hmm. Like you only have to buy the, the base set at 165. You don't have to buy an army at four or five hundred dollars, right? You know, so it's cheaper to get into the hobby, and it sort of gives you a taste. You know, like a drug dealer. Like you know, <laughs> your taste is kind of yeah. not free, but cheaper. This one's half price. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm super excited about it. I think it's um, I, you know, despite the fact that we haven't sold any Horus Heresy since we painted the first set. That being said, they're cool looking models. They are. Like, yeah. I like the game a lot. Um, and Death Death Watch in particular, you know, I, I mean, you're younger than me, but Gene Stiller Cult people were trying to do it back in the day. They were like, they had a, they had an army. Yes. Yeah. The second edition Tyranny Codex actually had a list. You could have cult limousines and transports and all sorts yeah, of stuff. Yeah, some of those limousines are like, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't know about the whole cult limousine thing. Like, I think the idea is that these are politicians, maybe, and that mm-hmm. they have armored trick carriers. Like, I guess the equivalent of, like, the Pope Mobile yeah. in a Gene Stiller world. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I will say real quick that I'm thinking about doing a... I'm thinking about one of the other specials I'm thinking about running in, in the future is a uh, group special. And the idea there is that um, you can get a discounted rate as though it were a volume special, but you only have to buy a few models to contribute to the group group project. So let's say we were going to do, um, we'll use Gene Circle. Maybe I want to do a Gene Circle army, but maybe other people just want to buy units. So what I would do is I would sort of put up a special out there. People can sign up like you'd sign up like for a bake sale. And when I get enough clients together, then I can go ahead and offer them all of the same discount, like let's say 10%. So, because I know that that's going to give us enough work for, let's say, you know, weeks on end. Mm-hmm. So that helps us out. It gives us steady work. Helps them out. They get a good discount. Um, and we get a project that looks like it all fits together. It's cohesive, yeah. Yeah, it's cohesive. So, um, I mean, basically, we're just really looking for any way to get people into the hobby and try to save them a buck, but also try to keep, you know, keep, keep money coming into our pockets. This is what we do full time now. Mm-hmm. You're about to be doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I'm excited. I would like. I want to see this trend continue, yeah. and I also want to see this supported by our clients. So we're looking for ways that people can can do it and be supported. All right, guys. Well, we're going to take a brief break, and then we're going to come back and do our outro, and we'll be right back after this. Are you a tabletop quality painter in the Raleigh area with ten hours or more a week to spare? Have you ever thought about becoming a commission painter before, but you weren't sure it was right for you? White Metal Games is looking for talented painters in the Raleigh area to join our studio team. You're paid by the job, not by the hour, so you can paint at your own pace. Send us pictures of your painted models to info at whitemetalgames.com, and we just might be interested in speaking with you. Put your minis where your mouth is. 
All right, guys, that is it for us this evening. We are out of here. Um, next time on the podcast, we're going to be talking about Nate. Uh, we're going to be talking about Nate. We're going to be talking with Nate of Vindica, which is a little hard to pronounce, which is, um, this is a platform you brought to my attention. Yeah. It's like a third-party trade platform kind mm-hmm. of Specifically like to war games. list, but yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, like a, unique, it's like a so. swap meet for war games almost. It'll be good to talk to him. Definitely something different. Yeah, and I think he's planning to launch uh, in late March, so it's around the right time we're going to be interviewing him. Um, and we're also going to be um, talking to him about what you know what we can expect to see in this. I know people are already uploading product to this platform to do some test trades. I was looking at that earlier. Um, but the basic idea is like, I want this, you want something else, but another guy wants what I have, and we kind of do a three-way. It's kind of like a menage a trade, mm-hmm. I guess, like, or a trade a trois. <laughs> connects the dots for yeah, you yeah, makes yeah, it possible. Yeah. Um, if you guys are interested in uh, asking us any questions, p- feel free to hit us up. You can uh, email us at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Uh, I think I need to build a Twitter account for this because I've been listening to a bunch of podcasts recently. And it seems like Twitter is the way people connect these days. I guess so. Like, yeah, I don't it's easy to follow. Any, uh, I, I, yeah. Get quick updates. I never so, use it, but apparently I'm the old man. Well, I have it for white metal, and I just forget to use it all the time. Like I, I forget to tweet. Yeah. I'm, I'm too old. Yeah. I don't tweet enough. <laughs> no, I'm not that old. All right. Well, um, for my... Uh, for, for mine, we're... For War Council, uh, I'm Caleb Dillon with White Roll Games. I'm Phil Cornwell with Brushwork Minis. And until next time, put your names where your mouth is. Thank you.